Godzilla made a beat, so it's go time. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Core 4 Podcast. We are a podcast under Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside GBV Live, 3ND, and Starting 5. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find us on the web at grizzlybearblues.com, or you can find us on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And you can find this podcast on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. I am your host, Nathan Chester, and I'm joined by my co-host, the one and only Bryce Hayes. Bryce, what's going on, man? What's good, man? It's good to be, you know, free and not working for a little while. Get to talk a little Grizzlies basketball. Get to kick it with you for a couple minutes, talk talk some ball, and talk about our Grizzlies as they're rising to I think the fourth seed in the West after being out of out of the playoff contention there this time last week. So it's been an interesting last couple of days for the Grizzlies, even without John Morant. So a lot of guys are playing well, and we're coming off witnessing history just a few short minutes ago. The Grizzlies absolutely slaughtered that Oklahoma City Thunder team that uh. Might just be a college team with NBA jerseys on. Yeah, uh, Bryce and I have both been on a little bit of an extended break from our podcasting just because of how busy we've both been in our personal lives. And we'll definitely be breaking into that game and everything else that's been going on. But Bryce, maybe it was for the best that we didn't pod for like the last month or so. We, we, I think we did a podcast after the first few games of the season and then we kind of had our little break and now we're trying to get back into the swing of things now. But there's been so much bickering going back and forth and I, I'll be honest with you, I'm a part of it. I'm a part of it. See, I, I'm, I'm, I will say this with working at TLU, work, working with their two basketball programs, I haven't been able to really be a part of it. Like I see it, I kind of ignore it, just kind of laugh at it. But my focus has primarily been on TLU basketball, like TLU women's basketball one by 40 on Saturday. Like that's where my focus has been in trying to help them be better, both on social media and on the floor. So the bickering, I see it. I don't agree with most of it, especially the nonsensical comment back and forth about Valanciunas and Steven Adams, which there's no time machine. There's no going back. So I don't understand the constant talking about it. But outside of that, I mean, Twitter is Twitter. Everybody feels entitled to an opinion, and you've got the right to speak to it a certain extent. But most of the stuff is pointless that people continue to argue about. Well, yeah, and my kind of my point right now is that kind of it does kind of all look pointless in the grand scheme of things. And kind of the big discussion for this week was – uh, like you said, whether Valanciunas or Steven Adams should have been the move for the Grizzlies this year. Um, and I think that was spurred on by the fact that Valanciunas hit seven threes in the first half of a game for the Pelicans earlier this week. It's been a weird week. It's been a really weird week in the NBA between 73-point wins, Valanciunas doing that. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about Jaron Jackson's struggles this year. And, and, I've, and I've played a key, a key role in those discussions. He hasn't always lived up to expectations this year. 
but um, he has been fantastic as of late. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But the reason I think it's just all pointless is, you know, they've had their struggles. Even now, they still have a negative net rating on the year. And here we are looking up, and the Grizzlies are 12 and 10, two games above 500, and they're sitting as the fourth seed with home court in the Western Conference. Uh, I think there's two points I can make out of that. The first point is, no matter, I, I don't really know how good the Grizzlies are, but the point of the matter is, like, for, for all the bickering that's gone on, they're doing relatively well, all, all things considered up to this point. Uh, the second point is the West sucks. <laughs> the West absolutely sucks. Uh, like I said, the Grizzlies have a net rating. They're still a minus 19 on the year as far as point differential is concerned. Um, so I still don't feel comfortable saying the Grizzlies are a good team, even now as they're on their first three-game winning streak of the season without John Morant, and they're coming off a 73-point win against the Oklahoma City Thunder, who need to be relegated to the G League. It's just nonsensical stuff. But, but um, the point of the matter is, whether the Grizzlies are good or not is kind of irrelevant when you consider just how bad the Western Conference is. I'm going to fight back, but not really fight back. Is the West that bad, or are we finally getting the parity that people have asked for for years? Because I understand that to an extent, like, LeBron's been hurting out. We've had other players kind of be in and out as well. And obviously COVID is still looming large over the league and the world in itself. But honestly, I don't know if teams are just bad or it's kind of become like the NFL has been this year where anybody can get God on any given night. Like there's no quote unquote dominant team. And that goes for the East and the West. Cause I mean, like people thought the Wizards is kind of turned into this world-beating team for a while, and now they've kind of fallen off. I don't think there's going to be one team outside of the Warriors that's just going to dominate anybody, and the Grizzlies beat the Warriors. So, again, it seems like it's just we've reached a certain point where there's parity to a certain extent, and anybody can get got on any given night more than just saying X conference or X team isn't good. Like we can say Oklahoma City isn't good. There's we can say the Houston Rockets aren't good, and that's intentional. When you have, I would say probably ninety five percent of both of those rosters are our age or younger. So that that's that comes with the territory. But I don't think that is as bad as the records might say it is. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's some truth to that because you got so used to over the last decade of NBA basketball. Um, Golden State, not this version of Golden State, was waiting in the West. LeBron James, no one was going to beat him in the East. And so you saw that, and the outcome always felt predetermined, no matter what else is going on in the NBA. And right now, there definitely is more parity, like you're saying. And even when you compare the West to the East, they're really each three deep as far as like truly elite teams are concerned uh the west has got phoenix golden state and utah those are kind of the three teams in the upper tier um i think denver could have been in that but uh they're one of the most tragic stories in the nba right now uh murray is probably not going to be back until april according to the latest reports and Michael Porter Jr. is something I feel really terrible about just because I'm a fan of his from around the league. And it's one thing when you take a big swing like they did on him and then just because of health or whatever, it doesn't work out. It's a unique type of tragedy when you take that big swing, you look like you've hit a home run 
and then the previous concern ends up becoming a big issue again after it looks like you've hit a home run and it looks like his back is going to keep him from being the player that it looked like he was going to become last year. So Denver's struggling right now. Denver's using their hardship exceptions to find more players for the roster right now because they're also being ravaged by COVID. And then you go to the East and you got Brooklyn and James Harden does not look like James Harden, but you're still going to bet on Kevin Durant and James Harden. Maybe Kyrie gets the shot at some point. Who knows? They're looking to trade him. That was a report earlier today that was seen. Um, you're not going to bet against Kevin Durant come playoff time. Then you got Milwaukee defending champions. Uh, when Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday play together, the Bucks are 10-0 and this year. So they're currently sitting at fourth in the East and 14-9, and but when the chips are down, they are still one of the very best teams in the NBA, maybe the best team in the NBA. And Miami's sitting in fifth right now, but they've also dealt with some injuries. I think they're going to be right at the top of the East once it's all said and done. So the West and the East have got their top three teams. The reason I say the West is bad is the West does not have the same depth that the Eastern Conference does. You can look in the top eight of the Eastern Conference right now, and sitting in seventh and eighth for the East is Atlanta and Boston. Atlanta, say what you want about Atlanta. I think they had a little bit of a fluky run last year, and they're progressing to the mean right now after a rough start to the year. But they're a really good team, and for them to be sitting in seventh right now, says a lot about the depth of the conference. Uh, Boston's not a true championship contender by any stretch of the imagination, but they kind of fall in that same category. And so when I look at Memphis and I see what Memphis has been through to this point, the valleys, the blowout losses, and you look up and they're in home court and first in the South place to uh, first in the Southwest division, you think to yourself and think, all right, you really want to go all in to win as much as you can next year. <laughs> you may not be doing that this year. You may not. You may still be focusing on development, but um, the West is not really going to be any much better next year, by my estimation. So it's time to start cashing those chips in sooner rather than later. I don't know, man. I think Atlanta. Atlanta's going to bring it together. I mean, they didn't start off too hot last year either, and we saw how that turned out for them. So we'll see. I mean, it's still early in the season. We hadn't gotten to Christmas time yet when the quote unquote, when basketball really starts. So I think there's some teams that just started slow. They're kind of just getting in a rhythm, going through the motions, and they'll start to turn on here in the next couple of weeks. Things will start to get interesting. I think the Grizzlies will surpass the Dallas Mavericks at some point, especially once Jog gets healthy. Now that Jaron is finally starting to look healthy post knee injury, post growth spurt starting to rain in some shots. He's starting to look like the unicorn that was promised. And he's starting to make me look like the genius that I knew I was by not selling stock <laughs> and by telling you guys to shut the hell up and literally just let him get healthy. And now look what he's doing. Like you can still scream about the rebounds. Oh, he's not, he doesn't average X amount of rebounds. Guess what? The Grizzlies are the number one rebounding team in the league. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of disappointed that the Grizzlies, and I will talk about the Thunder game now, I'm a little bit disappointed in a certain sense by how much they won by, because I think Jaron could have gotten 45 or 50 if he were playing normal minutes tonight. Um, right. He played, he scored 27 points in 20 minutes of work. Um, it looked like he was having the game he had against Milwaukee two years ago when he, I think, did he score 27 points in the third quarter of that game and ended up Something with, like that. and ended up with 44 for the game? He just could not miss. He he is streaky as a shooter. You got to respect him no matter what night it is. But when he's got it going, he's a flamethrower. He's really got it going, and so he has been fantastic 
over the last three games. And he's coming into his own. And I made a point in the piece that I wrote about him earlier this week. Um, I agree with you. And I think that he's been dealing with some literal growing pains this year. And I'm still questionable on whether he's going to be a star or not. And frankly, the Grizzlies don't need him to be a bona fide all-star year in and year out. It'd be great if he was, but I think they're going to end up finding someone else who can fill that role. They need him to be who he is and what he can be. The unicorn like you're talking about. Somebody who makes three-point shots from the perimeter, who attacks from the perimeter, scores efficiently in the paint, and he has taken a huge leap as a rim protector. Like, even when the offense has been struggling this year, um, he looks dominant on that end of the court right now. He's third in the league in shot blocking, I think at 2.2 blocks per game. The five-block game he had against the Raptors kind of helped raise that number. He has just been fantastic on that end of the court, and now you're seeing it all start to come together. Together. And so I've always been open. Like, I'm going to criticize a dude when he's struggling and not being the player that he's supposed to be, but you got to give him his props when he's playing great. And that's what he's been doing for the last few games. The interesting thing for me about it is I think he's finding a greater degree of comfort. He's getting comfortable in his body, getting over those growing pains. I don't think it's a coincidence that he has been this good offensively in the three games without Ja Morant. And I don't mean that necessarily as a knock against Ja because Jarrence has had to take on a bigger role as an offensive scoring option without Morant. But it's pretty clear by the eye test. And Jaron has been struggling at times. So to a certain degree, it's understandable. Ja has not done a good enough job this year of involving Jaron in the offense. And it's pretty clear and it's obvious. There have been so many times when Jaron has had a mismatch against a smaller player and Ja just hasn't given him the ball for whatever reason. The best example I can think of was, now Ja had it rolling in the fourth quarter of that game, but you got to go all the way back to the road game against Golden State, comeback win. And it was like with two minutes to go the fourth quarter of that game. And Jaron had deep post position against Damian Lee with no one on that side of the court. And Ja just kind of stared at him for a second and then swung the ball back to the other side. Plays like that have been way too common this year. And so Jaron is going to continue to be who he has been over the last few games. It's Ja's role as the facilitator and the floor general that no matter how great he's been individually this year, He's got to help maximize Jaron and help him be everything that he can be. I'll, I'll say this. I'm not going to disagree because as I've kind of announced to everybody, like I don't get – I haven't really had a chance to watch the Grizzlies until the last like two or three weeks. So I'm not going to fight you on their other point. But I'll say this, that the Jaron Jackson Jr. in a role that Taylor Jenkins has kind of deployed him in in the last two or three weeks is more of – what they should have been doing this entire time instead of trying to make him a seven-foot spot-up shooter. The reason he's ascended to this level of play with and or without jaw is because he's not just standing in a corner or standing 30 feet from the rim chucking threes. He's getting deep, deep post position. He's driving. He's not just standing in one spot begging for the ball and just kind of praying to God that it goes in. He's actually a focal point of the offense, getting different kind of looks, getting different matchups. He's actually, you know, an NBA player for a change. And the more they use him that way, the more, the better player he can become. He's already playing really well, probably had the most efficient game of his career tonight. So the more he can do that, the better the Grizzlies are as a whole, especially when you have Dylan Brooks playing well, Desmond Bain 
continuing to look like a, a young star. Steven Adams doing his role every other night. <laughs> but they, they've got pieces in place to be a playoff team once again. They just got to put it all together. And I think this run without job, much like last year, I think can be a launch point for them to kind of raise their level of play heading into the nitty gritty of the season right here around Christmas time as we head into the 2022 aspect of the season. Yeah. So, so you know how uh, when Derrick Henry went down a month ago, the Titans like picked up Adrian Peterson and then for like three weeks or so they were giving him carries, even though he looked outright awful, but he's Adrian Peterson. So they kept giving him the ball for like a few weeks until it finally became clear he couldn't do it anymore. And I think they cut him last week. Uh, that's what kind of like Steven Adams reminds me of a little bit when he's on the court, like they're winning, things are going well. But And he played pretty well tonight. I'm not going to take that away. He was a plus 39. <laughs> uh, everybody had an incredible point differ differential for tonight. But you watch him out there, and he's just so limited in so many ways. And you'll see him get some offensive putbacks and do things that he's good at. But he's just so limited. And then you'll see Xavier Tillman come in, like in the very first play in which he came in in the second quarter, and he bullies – I think it was Isaiah Roby, and he bullies him and gets an and-one finish at the basket on literally the first play he has the ball. And you're like, yeah, I'm not seeing Steven Adams do that one time all year. And then you see Santi Aldama come in, who really is in his second game getting actual rotation minutes. And he gives you 18 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists, showing confidence as a shooter, even though he didn't make a three, and demonstrating his fluidity as an athlete in 28 minutes of work. And so you've got these guys who are 6'9 and taller, who are skilled, fluid athletes who are making things happen on the court. And you just can't help but wonder – if you took the big, big limited guy in the middle and just gave him a lesser role in the rotation so some of these guys could shine, would the team ceiling for this year raise a little bit? I think it's a natural question to ask. Um, as somebody who really hadn't watched until the last couple of weeks, I was shocked to see Xavier Tillman kind of fall out of the rotation the way he has, especially with the role he played last year during the postseason run. But I have been impressed with what I've seen of Aldama because obviously for somebody who came in kind of flying blind the last couple of weeks, I was like, why is it one? Why is he playing over X, Y, and Z? But he's, he's done a good job. He looks comfortable out there. Like he's making plays at seven feet. And like he looks comfortable on both ends of the floor. So I would expect him to keep getting play time obviously with a diminished role once Zaire Williams is healthy, once Ja is healthy and everything, but he's in a tough spot. I mean, he's, he's playing well, but Brandon, so is Brandon Clark. Obviously he's not going to play over Jaron Jackson Jr. or Steven Adams at the moment, but they're the Grizzlies French as a franchise are really high on him. So I would expect him to keep finding ways to go on the floor, even if it's kind of like Zaire Williams, just kind of short stretches just to get him some run with the, with the older guys. Yeah, I hate that Zaire wasn't able to play tonight because he would have definitely gotten some extended run. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot of other great stuff that happened tonight. Uh, Melton was great, 7-7 from the field in the first half. Uh, Conchar turned into basically a living legend in the fourth quarter of the game. Multiple threes, a poster dunk while they were up by 70. 
Um, there's not really anything else to say. Brandon Clark has been great recently. I wrote an article about him, wrote an article about both him and Jaron this week, and he's looking like someone who can start next to Jaron in the Grizzlies' front court of the future. So you've got these encouraging things that you've been seeing over the last week or so. Um, just to kind of end on some comic relief here for a minute, what the heck was that tonight? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not talking about the grizzly side of this at all anymore. What in God's name did, <laughs> did we see I, the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight? Now, I'll preface this with I've seen something close to this bad. I mean, obviously when Texas Luther went and played Texas a couple weeks ago when I went with them up to Austin, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't this bad. They didn't lose by 70, but it, it wasn't pretty. And also I've seen – Someone going to Mallet Gymnasium when I was still at Rose and dropped 70 on us. That, but they still didn't lose by 70. So I don't think I've ever witnessed anybody lose by that much on a basketball court. Now, football, yeah, I've seen 77 to 7. I've been on the 77 side of that. Losing my 70 on a bas basketball court is something I'm not sure I've seen, especially in the fashion that they did it. Like, that was just bad basketball, a lot of, a lot of breaks, a lot of turnovers. It just looked like a very bad AAU team playing against pros. And I don't think they really got better from that. I don't really think there's anything from film to take from that. It was just one of those games where they got their brains beat in. Let's ignore it. Let's just on to the next one because it's really not much to talk about. I highly doubt their coach had much to say in the locker room after. It's just one of those things where, hey, it wasn't our night. Let's get let's shower it up and let's get on a plane. Let's go where we got to go because we made history in the worst type of way today. It's hilarious that they've beaten the Lakers two times this year somehow. But, um, like, this game is just symptomatic of a larger problem for them. And, yeah, they were missing Shea Gildas-Alexander and Josh Giddy, who's probably going to be all-rookie first team by how he's done this year. But – like I made a I made a uh, a tweet an hour ago, and I was only halfway joking when I said it. And I said I think Sam Presti's going to get a call from Adam Silver in the morning. Um, you, they've got. I don't. I'm not even looking it up right now to see how many first round draft picks they have over the next three or four years, but. What are you planning to do with all of that? I don't see the vision. I don't see the plan here. I don't see how it's all going to work out in any way. And, and there's another downside and problem to having this many assets. When it comes time, if you're trying to pull those assets together for some type of star to put next to Shea Gilgis Alexander, those teams are going to get more out of you than they would have gotten from someone else because they know that you have more to give. They know that you got all these picks at a treasure chest somewhere. And so if you were planning on giving up four first round picks, they're going to ask six of you because they know that you've got that to give. And so you've got all of this. And now you're in year three of this rebuild that appears to be going absolutely nowhere. And you made the point about how this wasn't good for any of the parties involved here tonight. On the court tonight, as far as what the Thunder's roster will look like in three years, only Lou Dort, maybe Mann, and maybe Ty Jerome will be on this team in three years. Everybody else they were throwing out there tonight is not NBA players. I'm sorry, Poku. I'm sorry, Poku Shepsky, but no. 
it, it, that's not a thing. That's not it, – it Darius Baisley's in his third year of the league. He looks terrible out there. I don't know what to tell you. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Um, so I looked up um, Oklahoma City's SB Nation page, Welcome to Loud City, and they did not tweet tonight. <laughs> well, what are you, you going to say? <laughs> There really isn't much to say when you're down 60 points for the majority of a half. So, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, thinking from the social media side here, if we were down 60, bro, I don't really know what I would have to really say on social outside of, yeah, we're here at the stadium, but y'all don't want to know what the score is. Like, there's, I, I there's just, not much to do in that situation. Yeah, yeah, like – Granted, they made some wrong decisions along the way that kept them from maximizing that core as it's now starting to fall apart. But we've already got precedent that this doesn't really work. Um, the process did not lead to a single Eastern Conference Finals appearance for the uh, uh, Philadelphia 76ers. And granted, they made plenty of mistakes of their own along the way to keep that from happening. They had Ben Simmons. They had Joel Embiid. But... Uh, Tell me what Sam Presti is going to do over the next three or four years to make this team into a contender. That looks extremely unlikely to me. I just don't Pray. see Pray. That's, that's about all it is. That's about all he's got. Because, I mean, obviously I hate using the small market thing that people love to throw in people's faces. But Oklahoma City isn't a place that's just going to attract a lot of people. Obviously, at some point they're going to get someone because they'll have a lot of money to spend. But – Unless there's some type of vision, which right now I don't really see outside of draft stock accumulation and young bodies. I don't really know what their plan is. At least with the Grizzlies, you saw some semblance of a plan when they were going through their growing pains. But right now, Oklahoma City is just SGA and a bunch of dudes thrown together because they were first-round draft picks. Yep. I am a firm believer that you cannot build a winning culture when you are putting a team like this out there every single night. And I don't care how many assets you got for the future. I just don't think that's the way it works. But that is just my opinion. Bryce, I think that's all we got time for tonight, man. Why don't you plug your stuff? I know what it is, man. You follow me on Twitter at NXT Prodigy. Um, always show love to Elite Media. Show love to Texas Lutheran Athletics. You know what it is, man. I'm I'm not hard to find. I know I know I'm not writing as much, but I'm I'm still around. Still still watching from the rafters as everything kind of goes on. It's probably over Christmas break. I'll try to get some stuff up. Stuff get some stuff up, but we'll see. They keep me plenty busy down here in Texas, but we'll see. Our basketball team's going and I'm pr- proud of everything we got going down here. Amen, man. Amen. We'll be looking forward to it. And you can find all my Grizzlies-related content on grizzlybearblues.com. And you can unfortunately find me on Twitter at NathanChester24. Just know, you can't cancel me. You can't cancel me. They've come close. (laughs) They've come dangerously close, but they have not done it yet. (laughs) Bryce, I'll let you uh, close it out. That's all, folks.